pricking of my thumbs. Something wicked this way comes. <laughs> All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 231. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. In this episode, we are talking about the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, as told by Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers and starring Mr. Denzel Washington. Before we get started, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating if you can, and maybe even a review. That'd be great. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Pod. You can like us on Facebook, and you can send us emails at 3 Podcast at gmail.com. All right. So this was, this was Apple TV, right? That's why we, we did this? Apple TV. Apple TV. Can't recall now. I pay for so many of these things it's just getting ridiculous yeah well i couldn't sign in shocker so <laughs> i had to find other means of watching the movie but and i mean uh, i really don't understand why it's so hard to use apple products they really just don't want it's, it's like they just give you the middle finger every time you sign on well it I mean, yeah, if you're signing on to a device that, and like it's not because you're borrowing my account to do it, shh, don't tell Tim Cook. And oh, no, I had the, like yeah, the right passwords. Well, I, I had it set up for two factor authentication so people wouldn't just steal my stuff. And then you have to go, hey, you just got a thing on your phone. Tell me the six digit number that I have to enter into my, my TV to play it. So. It's called I security. Break. <laughs> As if their stuff was worth stealing anyway. What am I watch Snoopy in space for the thousandth time? <laughs> anyway, anyway, so now, now, it's now, on now, Apple TV. Now, now that we've gotten past films, if you if you can get to it, it's on you Apple know, TV. Bi monthly complaint about his difficulties logging into my <laughs> Apple account. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we may now proceed. Our, our mother's account, and now I saw there's that when people have an Apple phone, and other people have like Android phones, you know. It doesn't translate. So, like, whenever you like like a message on my phone, it reads "so and so liked this entire thing," and it like yeah, clogs yeah. up my feed. So they've been working on that. So, like, now when I do it, it won't look like that anymore. It'll right. look more like you know what? Uh, look, yeah, what? Yeah, like like mine. Yeah, but it's not perfect yet. Like, it's they still have some kinks to work out. Like the faces don't always match up. <laughs> I'm sitting here like I hope they leave it like that. <laughs> to screw with you people <laughs> well it does see I, I i can't tell at all because i have a good phone with you know a good program yeah, but apparently a this phone is... that's programmed for a monkey <laughs> a monkey could use that phone yeah how yeah. how much more well, complicated dumb... do i need it to be i'm not a dumb chimpanzee <laughs> so i have a more sophisticated phone than the rest of you people well apparently this was a whole big thing with you know it, 
and I, I really, I kind of, this is a total digression, but it's Apple related, so that's fine. Um, there, there's a conversation happening in the tech space, which is a phrase I hate to, to use, about young people f- having FOMO, if that's the right word, if it's a word at all, about being, you know, a green a bubble instead of a blue bubble because the iMessage app is actually really robust if you have an iPhone. You can do all these things. You can, you know, send information and um, files and such a lot easier and you can, you know, group chat things and name stuff. And if one person has an Android phone, the whole thing re- reverts to basic MMS and it's like, you know, you can't send somebody a video of anything. It's just... And apparently, and this is only a problem in this country because... Almost nobody outside of the U.S. has an iPhone. They're too expensive. Here, 70% of people under the age of 18 have iPhones. That's a massive amount of people. But apparently those that don't are really sad about that. But they don't have phones. Right. And this was news. And I really kind of scratched my head. I'm like, that's what we're talking about? It's just young people who are sad? This is news, but it is. Apparently, it's like, you know, because Apple designs their software mostly to benefit each other in an attempt to get you to buy their product over somebody else's product. So their stuff works better between their devices because they want it to. And it's a perfectly valid strategy, and it's worked, I don't know, extraordinarily well. The company's valued at a trillion dollars, for God's sake. So they're doing something right. But 30% of all kids who are under the age of 18 who don't have iPhones are sad. Hmm. And we, we we had to have a conversation on YouTube and in, in the news is should we, you know, completely overhaul, you know, the, you know, the messaging software to make these 30% of kids less sad? And I got to think there's something else more important happening elsewhere in the world. <laughs> like ink and time was spent, you know, was spent talking about this. So I'm sorry that you don't have an iPhone. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> just, it's just, it was the strangest thing I'd ever heard. And I'm, I'm probably, you know, this probably sounds really insensitive of me. But, you know, this, sh- this shouldn't make you that sad. <laughs> <laughs> it just shouldn't, and I and I, I, I like I get be, being the kid that doesn't have the cool new toy, but at the same time, it's like then go get a job and get the cool new toy. I don't know what to tell you. Like this is this is how this works. That that's the whole thing. That's, oh, okay. <laughs> I was just I was just stunned that, that, that this was an issue of like, you know, national importance for about twenty four hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of their entertainment offerings, they produced a or paid for a production of Macbeth starring uh, Denzel Washington. Yeah. It's one of the uh, many attempts at taking Shakespeare and making it into a movie. Which um well there's there's tons of this version of this play. Yeah. There's there's one with like Michael Fassbender, right? There's there's that one. There's that one. There's Patrick Stewart. There's an Ian McKellen. Um, I was just reading about it. There's another one. Uh, there's, there's a ton. Yeah. There's a really great one. I haven't seen it in a long time called Scotland PA. 
mm-hmm. and it's basically a modern version of the story. Um, uh, Moira Turney is in it. I can't think of anything else of, of anybody else who who's in it, but it's you know it's like a you know ten things I hate about you, but for Macbeth, and it's fantastic. It's about a guy that that that, that works in a um, in like a fast food joint as the assistant manager. And him and his wife end up, um, you know, murdering the like the guy that 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 owns it, and they take over and they change everything, and everyone and then nobody likes it, and it's just, you know, but like they're really murdering people, like it's not, it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's for real. So I we yeah, should actually it's... we should find that one and watch it because I I recall it let's being not, really good. <laughs> let's not no, do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was when I was like, oh, this is an, like what is this? Then you realize what it is like halfway through, like oh, this is Macbeth. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a it's a really and most of these are because Shakespeare himself ripped up ripped off a lot of his plots. You know, they're easily adaptable to these circumstances. You know, and and you can do it where they're actually murdering people, or you can do it where they just like get him fired. You know, you can change enough around where you still have the main basic idea of the story. You know, like I remember watching um, O. In the late nineties about, and it was Othello, but like it was high school kids and I had no idea they were actually going to start killing each other. Cause I thought <laughs> like, well, this is high school. Well, they wouldn't do that, you know? And then they start strangling each other. I'm like, Oh, okay. We're actually, you know, but they could have just as easily changed it where they were, you know, getting rid of the kids, like having them transferred out or something instead of like <laughs> murdered in high school. Yeah. No, that was, the, I recall that being really strange. Like, that's a good movie. It's a good it, adaptation. I we guess should watch so. That. <laughs> we should we should do we should do like a marathon of all the we should find all the modern adaptations of Shakespeare that we can possibly stomach. I said we thought um, she's the man. Oh, okay. what's that? Twelfth Night. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, Amanda. Amanda Bynes. Oh, poor Amanda Bynes. I hey, think she's fine now. Is she, mm, she's, is she, she's fine. Oh, no, no. Oh, she's good. It's okay. She's totally winning celebrity rehab. <laughs> but, um, all right. So, this movie, what did you think of the tragedy of Macbeth? Uh, it's, it was good. It's, it had a very interesting visual style. You know, uh, I, it was very minimalist. And I needed sunglasses to wear it because it was like to all in black and white. What? You, you, you said to wear it? To wear it. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, wait, no. You That's need to wear sunglasses to, to, watch, to watch it? it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, go. yeah, because it was so bright. Like there was a lot of white and black um, purposefully. You know, like each each scene looked like it was on a stage and then the background would just be like blank, blank space. Um, so give it the impression that they were... Uh, either in a big space or like a small space, but like you couldn't tell they were on like a stage, even though it was a movie. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, it was fine. It was good. I happen to know Macbeth really well. I teach it in high school. So even though I watched it with subtitles, like I didn't need them. I still knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really interested in the way that, some some scenes get left in and some scenes get left out when you have these Shakespeare things. Like the only one I've ever seen of Shakespeare that they did the whole thing is that Hamlet by Kenneth Branagh. Oh, and it's like God. 
three hours and 45 minutes. That's the whole thing. No, nah, it's long. It's over four because it's fucking two VHS tapes. Yeah, it's it's really long. It's two, it's two DVDs, too. I have, I have the DVD. <laughs> is it really? Like, from like, you know, 2000, and it's two DVDs, oh which is, God. you know, it doesn't have to be, but for some reason it is. Well, all, all the all the, the behind-the-scenes features. Uh, yeah, you know. Well, those are the old... Uh, people don't realize this who, who are probably listening, but like the behind-the-scenes features before The Lord of the Rings came out were really horrible. It was yeah. like the theatrical trailer. Like, I don't want to watch that trailer of the movie I can just watch. Like, like that's not a it's not a bonus, but sometimes they're fun though, like just to see how trailers have changed over the last twenty years. Uh, yeah. In a world. They, uh, in a world. So they were really lame. But um so this movie um cuts some things out and moves some things around. And I just thought it was interesting, like what they kept and what they didn't well what expand on that because i don't like i've read the play a bunch of times but not recently and i certainly don't know it as well as a couple other ones so what um what how how was it arranged in in with regard to in and out and what was cut um they usually streamline it which is funny because it's it's probably the shortest of the plays that they do Macbeth is not is not really a long play, and this um, is a short movie. This is under two hours, which I yeah, really appreciated. Yeah, they um, they cut out. Uh, there's always a scene where Macduff goes to ask for help from the exiled prince of Scotland, uh, Malcolm, mm-hmm. and he he just like usually they just he just goes to him and says, "I need your help. Scotland needs your help." Um, but in the play, it's a lot longer, and the prince like tests Macduff's loyalty and tricks him into seeing whether or not he's actually a good guy or a bad guy, and they always leave that part out. So I was like, oh, okay, they left that part out. I'm like we just got to move this along here because it comes at the end of the play. Um, and yet they left in the scene with who's that? Stephen Root was in this version where he's like the guy who answers the door. Yeah, that was a lot shorter. Then, 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 like, like the whole Porter's speech, I thought was a little bit longer than what, than what it was. But his, no, they did the whole thing. But did they? they okay. Usually, just they usually just cut the Porter out, which is a shame because you you kind of need that even in, in you know in the movie. So like, for those unaware, a lot of these these things in the structure like structurally was were were highly functional, and so like you. You know, you don't need the scene where Macduff goes to find Malcolm in England to tell him to come back to Scotland to help them, you know, kill Macbeth in the movie because it's a movie. In the play, there's a actual human being who has to play Macbeth who's tired because he's been talking for the last two hours. And now like, there's, there's always like a lull in Act 4 as they kind of set the stage for the finale and usually that lull does not feature your 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 main character cuz they literally need to you know get their physical strength ready for the last thing which oftentimes involved fighting so there's a lot of you know it's it's structured to, to provide the actor with a reprieve yeah well that scene is supposed to be the comic relief and yeah, the porter is supposed to be funny because again, you need moments of levity in all of this, especially in this play, which is just a bloodbath. 
Right. Well, it, that's the one it starts scene uh, act three. And so like right after he's murdered the king and he's feeling guilty and everything, then they have the part where like the, the guy who answers the door to the castle is so hung over that he's making like sex jokes and, yeah. and pee and poop jokes. And I was like, I'm surprised they left this in because most people don't get those jokes yeah. because they're speaking in, um, in Shakespearean English. So like I got it, <laughs> but that's only cause I'd read the play 10 times, you know? So I'm surprised they left that in, um, I'm glad they, I'm glad they did it because he's great, Stephen Root. I think he's fantastic. Oh yeah, and he he's good in that. Like I could see him in that role really easily. Um, they left a scene in with Macduff's wife and son. Mm-hmm. Um, that usually gets shortened or left out, where they talk about him being a, like a traitor, even though he's not. You know, it it just adds a little bit more color to the fact that Macduff is about to lose his family, but. Usually they just show them getting run through with a sword or something. They don't actually show them talking. So yeah, and again, I think it it works works here because you it's unpleasant to show people murdering children, but it's important to set up just how adorable that kid is and how sad it is that he's going to die. And they they show you throwing him off of you know off a balcony for God's sake. So that it's not entirely innocent, but um. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. It sort of gives gives weight to those characters because, like, again, it's not enough for me to hear. Oh, look, it, this is his wife and kid, and oh, look, they're dead now. You actually have to see them and get to know them to feel anything for them dying. Well, yeah. What's tough about McDuff is that he's in it in the beginning, but he becomes like super important by like the very end of the play. Yeah. So to sort of establish the fact that he's important, like all of a sudden boom, there's his family and all this stuff. Like, you know, he's there and he's, and he, you know, he makes a, a difference, but he makes a tremendous difference by the end of the play. So he gets built up very quickly at the end as a character, Yeah, which is fine. So I think there's nothing technically wrong with the play. So the play itself is good. <laughs> it's only been yeah. 400 years we've been reading it. So, it's it sort of works against our sensibilities in, in a way because like you know the tragedy of Hamlet like Hamlet's the guy that you're rooting for you know like Othello too like you you know your main character your title character is oftentimes the guy that you want to to succeed and they don't and that's sad in this play in Richard the Third you know you're I mean Richard the the third's a history, so it's a little bit different because it's you know, the the audience then would have would have would have been looking at it as more like a you know someone getting their just desserts who was a real person who was related to the person who was the current monarch of of um of England, but with with Macbeth he's just a jerk who murders people all the time and you know the audience is waiting for him to die and the question is who's going to do it because everybody else is getting killed. Or, or like, or just running away. So how he ends up meeting his demise has to come from somebody who's sort of not a major character up to that point. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, we can get back to that. So, what did you think of Macbeth? Um, I really liked this, and I was 
kind of not sure that I was going to because like I saw the ads for it and I was, I was like, oh, they went like super artsy with it and it's going to be like, you know, ooh, that's an interesting choice. And like, but it, so it's really hard to make movies of Shakespeare plays because they're not movies, they're plays. And they're also 500 years old. So it's sort of a tough sell and to try to do this. Usually the bad ones are the ones that try to make them very cinematic or very natural or very like realistic. So the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet is really boring. The Kenneth Branagh um, Hamlet is well acted, but is really boring. Um, I didn't see his Henry V, and I've been kind of meaning to do that. So I can't comment on that one. And then, like, you know, there's all the Mel Gibson, and there's a few other weird ones, like a bizarre, like, biker gang version of Cymbeline starring Ed Harris. It's all over the place. Um, and then there's Boz Lerman, who just said, this is ridiculous to try to make this seem like a natural thing, so let's just dial it up to 11 and go bananas. And I, I love that movie. I think everything about it is both clever and exciting and you know there's so much energy in every single scene in that movie um and because they're overdoing it because that's what you do in a play is you have to overdo whatever you're doing to compensate for all manner of things and that's what the language was designed for so you know make it more like a play is really hard on in film, but it's what's going to help make the the story work better. And Lerman did that by dialing into the whole idea of things being over the top and not being realistic. Like this, like they they all carried you know guns as opposed to swords. They all had like you know ornate things. They dressed like crazy people, and like you know it was. It was grounded enough to be a real place, you know. It, it wasn't a, a sort of an existential thing, but it was just, you know, it was a a world that existed in its own little, little reality bubble. And this does very much the same thing. It's very two dimensional. It's very, it's visually very flat, even though you know there's there there's great contrast in light and dark and the black and white was an interesting choice um the four by three aspect ratio too i thought I, I, I thought was interesting um you know giving it height as opposed to giving it like a like a wide frame kind of a scope um it looks like a play it's like they filmed a play but they get to do all the things that you can do with film in terms of like you know, giving the characters distance to walk forward, you know, kind of forever as they approach something. Um, you know, they, you know, they get to play with that, you know, fictional um, z-axis where the, you know, the, the, you know, the car the camera comes in and out of things. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed the way that it was shot. I liked the fact that. You know, it wasn't too visually complex in terms of like costumes and props and things and the setting. It was all very stark and it just allowed for people to act on a stage and then just kind of film it. Um, one thing I really liked about it, and this was, I don't know if this was 
it was, it was intentional in terms of casting, but Denzel Washington is not a young man. And I thought it was an, 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 an interesting choice for him and Francis McDormand to take on these two roles. And it changes a lot about the character and, its, and, and his motivations. Most often he's portrayed as sort of young and hungry and, you know, he's, he's the hero of the battle that you hear about in the first scene. Um, and he generally feels kind of like passed over much of the time, but he's still young. And so you kind of don't get that. Like, all right, you know, you're, you know, you sort of rushing to the end of the book by murdering the, the king and then blaming it on the other people and in an attempt to advance his station, uh, faster. Um, but when you have an older guy playing the part, you get a sense of you know, so someone being aggrieved for a lot longer and having greater motivation for, you know, wanting to take power. It's like, well, I'm you know, I'm I'm not a young man. I want to go as far as I can. If that means killing people, that means then that's what it is. And his wife can you know convinces him to do it, and her being older and childless, like you know, two older people who never had kids, you know, because his whole thing is how things get get passed on if he dies without an heir and Banquo's whole thing and like i don't know it was it was it was it gave it a different weight than having a a young person try to you know money their way through you know feelings of ambition when 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 you're young which is recognizable isn't like unusual to have a young person who's ambitious but you know an older person who's ambitious has a chip on their shoulder that makes them kind of more interesting. I feel. Yeah. I was reading some um, review where they were talking about how hard it is to pick someone who can be Macbeth because you got to be older, but you don't want to be too old. And you have to, then you had your brain is trying to like process why someone would make the decisions he makes. And then, but if he's too young, it's not believable that, people would you know he could be this hardened warrior that people esteem so much because he's not a bad guy in the beginning of the play you know it's it takes his wife to sort of push him over the edge and so having uh denzel washington play him you know as an older character you have to fill in a lot of the gaps as to why he would do these things and he has no children in the play but in certain versions of it that I've seen, either they like mention that he did or they show that he did and the child's like died. So he doesn't have them anymore, which shows like in the Fassbender version, the first scene of the play is them burying one of his children. And so the rest of the play, you know, you, you can, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, he had a son or whatever, and now he doesn't. And that's like part of a grief thing that he's dealing with. Like, there's an anger there. So why this version wouldn't have one, I, I don't know. It's not said. So. There's nothing um, in the text about that, though, right? No, there's only a couple of lines where his wife mentions that she's like, she's breastfed a child. Like she knows what it's like to, to take care of a child. But like that could be that could be a few things. It doesn't automatically imply that they had a child at some point. She could have just been a nurse or something. I don't know. No, you'd you'd need to be pregnant in order to produce breast milk. So, like, maybe 
I mean, I I I, I should reread that because I I, I do recall her because that that that's when she's crazy, right? She's talking to herself about you know she's talking to him about it. Is he okay? Then I'm getting I'm confused. But like, I guess the only way that you would be able to do that is if you you were pregnant to a certain degree. Usually, you know, you give birth to her. So yeah, I'll, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna look at that because I generally don't like it when filmmakers take liberties in giving characters that don't have clear motivations for doing things. Like obviously stupid, clear motivations for doing things. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> like they do that in this one. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Well, they they do make changes in this play or this version yeah. of it that I found a little not about Macbeth, but mostly about that Ross character. The which the the guy with the short hair and the yeah and the bug eyes yeah. <laughs> He he does things in the in this movie that he does not do in the play, and he's in scenes that he's not in. Okay, which, which was a choice, but like it, it changes his motivations and certain things. I was a little surprised. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, We're putting this so guy he, here. <laughs> he he was the least clear character. Like I kind of understood what everybody else was doing in this play. Him, I didn't know. There was a scene with him and the old man who was really one of the witches. Um and there was the scene where he where he goes to tell to to talk to um Malcolm and Macduff and doesn't tell him right away that his kids are dead and then goes oh by the way yeah they're dead like uh, yeah because that, he's not supposed to do that in the play so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he did it in the movie yeah that that's the only thing it's like well we just need to keep using this actor I guess <laughs> yeah so like his his whole thing was very confusing to me. Um, but just to jump back for two seconds, like one of the things that, that people have a very hard time trying to reconcile is characters that do things for no good reason other than it's in the script. And again, this doesn't usually work in movies. Like it's obvious when you just need a character to say or do something they wouldn't normally do, you kind of get frustrated by that. Shakespeare doesn't quite do it that way, but he just doesn't give his characters, you know deep meanings necessarily for why they're doing what they're doing. Iago is, you know, the villain of Othello. He's got a reason for being crazy. He got passed over for, for, for promotion by a guy he doesn't like. All right, fine. But that he's so crazy, you know, is it's, it's disproportionate. And people sometimes want to find a reason for Iago to really be that nuts. You know, it's like the tragedy that was, um, you know, the Jim Carrey's Grinch Stole Christmas. Like, you know, the Grinch is a Shakespearean character in that you meet him and he's grumpy and no one knows why. You know, you know, his heart to his yeah. shoes. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter why he's gr- he he he's Grinchy. He just is. And then by the end of the story, he's not anymore. And that's the point. Like, you don't need to. You don't need a backstory. And that movie basically rapes that story by giving the Grinch this awful backstory where the who's are the bad guys now. Like I, I think we've all missed the point everybody. And so like, I don't like it when they try to, you know, give people a modern backstory for some of these characters. Well, uh, 
but they don't do that here. No, they don't. And I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased they didn't go any farther with it than. But, but I mean, the ones that I've seen, they don't. They just, they're just showing you what's already being implied. It wasn't like they're like, also, <laughs> you know, yeah, his kids I, died in a bus accident. Like it wasn't <laughs> anything like that. It just. Yeah, I suppose. Like, I mean, and part of the. But part of these things being so verbal, though, like you don't have to show everything. You can let the language sort of stand by itself. You can learn things about them through language, which you oftentimes don't in film. This is why, like, they're really just they're really hard to adapt because normally you would want to see something and not show it. But when like characters are there just to talk, that's all they do, and they and they, and they always say everything on their minds. There is no subtext. Sometimes you have to get out of the way and let the language do the reveal for you rather than show the reveal. It's counterintuitive to filmmaking to, you know, to do that. But, you know. Yeah. Well, that's why they cut, all the li- they cut all those lines out of the movies when they walk on stage and they go, what a beautiful day it is. Yeah. <laughs> Look like- at the trees overhead. Like, there were no sets back then. I'm always telling my students because, like, it's very wordy. And I say, okay, now imagine it looked like this. Because they're telling you that's what it looked like, yeah. you know, and they always cut that stuff out. Well, yeah, I mean, cause because they don't they don't need to. You know, it's, it's hyper functional. It doesn't actually have. It doesn't bring anything to the story, or to, it just like it just sets the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, and Shakespeare also knew that. I don't know if he knew this, but there are no stage directions in Shakespeare. There's exit. There's enter. There's one funny one with the bear. I think it's it's from. Uh, uh, the winter's tale it says mm. it says, it says um, exunt pursued by a bear that was like the yeah. most lavish stage direction he ever gave um but uh yeah all the stage directions are in the play they're actually lines of dialogue and so you can kind of take them out as long as you do the thing that they're saying that you're supposed to do but um uh what was i gonna say i forget mm. but um so it was good what did you think of uh the guy who played Macbeth <laughs> Denzel Washington Denzel Washington who's that, who's that that guy you know from that Training guy. Day I've never saw Training Day I wish everyone would shut up about it <laughs> I don't other things <laughs> I don't like Training Day I saw it once and I don't know if it just like it caught me in a bad mood or whatever but I didn't like it I don't know. I never saw it. And that's like the only one that everybody ever references. Like, Is <laughs> he in other stuff? I mean, well, because that remember was the like... Titans, for God's sake. That was, that was a big one. That that was a big one, yes. Um, I, I I read a, a um, Instagram post of a friend of mine who was really into Shakespeare. And she was very disappointed uh, in the in, in the film, like really disappointed. This and, one, yeah, in in this movie. And so I, I I recalled reading her post that she really hated it, and I and then I watched this, and then I went back and I found it. I'm like, what what was she complaining about? And her complaints were that there was a it was very low energy on the part of Washington, like he didn't bring a lot of fieriness to the role. And I can't say that that's entirely wrong. 
I, I you know it's not entirely accurate. I thought there were you know there were parts where he was very um, engaging. But he's, you know, like all sort of cool American actors, you you kind of have this desire to speak the lines as if they're natural. And um, like if you look at the difference between him and Frances McDormand, she's really leaning into the words. Like her her mouth is moving in a way you don't normally see her mouth move. Like she's... She's chewing on the words. She's kind of letting them round in, in in her mouth, and she's bringing a lot of energy to it. That's that's a really great performance of that character. Um, and I, I felt it it, it 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 was cut to in bit you know there was like scenes that were like not missing but were like shortened. I have to go back and look at it with the text side by side because there are parts of that that I I've seen performed on stage that didn't have the same resonance with me in the film but she was better than him and he's still good but he sort of like he his performance is sort of inconsistent you know like there's the scene when he's king and he's really kind of grumpy and he's sort of playing it up and being over dramatic and they bring this guy to him and he's kind of giving him bad news He's like, don't don't give me bad news. I'm 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 uh, I'm gonna kill you. And you know, and he's making. And that scene is the best scene for him, I think, in the film, because he's over the top. And that's kind of how you have to do this to a certain extent. You can't play it so even keel. And Kenneth Branagh is pretty good about this. He plays all the you know the sort of suave and heroic characters, and but you know he still doesn't let himself get over the top with it. And you kind of have to do that a little bit. And Denzel Washington doesn't do that. He's, you know, he's very even. He's not flat. I, he's not boring, but he's just very even with everything. And, you know, he could have been a bit more, I don't know, more high energy. And this allows for that. Like, the way that they shot this, that that wouldn't have appeared weird because the whole thing was so bizarre looking, you know, like it... We're not going for a naturalistic type uh, presentation here. Yeah, I thought they both stunk. Um, <laughs> because of that, I mean, they were both, they were very low energy. I mean, I always looked at it as Macbeth and his wife have to match the intensity of the witches in the movie or the play. And the witches are always done differently in every version i've ever seen they're never yeah. the same yeah. i mean in this one there's only like one and then sometimes her shadow is two and you know she did a good job with the physicality it was pretty crazy and and she was appropriately creepy and stuff like that but they don't match that level of of intensity that because the witches become one of those things that shakespeare does you know here's a supernatural thing that's going to start the plot in motion. And then eventually that comes unraveled as the plays go on. You know, it becomes how much of this is still the person making the decisions and how much of it is being influenced by uh, supernatural events. And that's like the great dilemma all the time. You know, Hamlet does the same thing, talks to his father's ghost. And then about halfway through the play, he sees the ghost, but no one else can see it this time. And it's like, well, is he really going crazy? Oh, I don't know. Right. So 
Macbeth has this inner struggle and he has this outer struggle with his wife about whether or not he should be murdering someone to take their place and how can I do it? And, you know, he doesn't seem to have that. So when the witch comes out and like throws baby parts at him and magic spells, and he's just sitting there just like, do I dare kill the King? I mean, maybe sort of. And then Francis McDormand, you said you would, what happened to you, man? I'm just like, why are we not reacting to this any better? (laughs) It's like a pitcher and a catcher. They're like not on the same page here. So, you know, if you're going to do the whole wacky supernatural witches thing, then you better have a a Macbeth who's going to struggle with it. And then when he switches over and becomes a villain and he's a tyrant, yeah, then he should be like that, you know, yelling at the kid and, and mad and in grief when his wife kills herself and stuff like that. But it was just so like, you know, here I am now at this point in the play. And whenever they were there, they they were the ones I was looking at the least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a function too of age. And like, you know, they're a younger actor brings more energy to it. A younger actor embodies a, a character that's got more energy. Um I still think she was better than him. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not saying that yeah, that you're wrong there. I mean, yeah, I mean, she, again, she could have been quick. I mean, the temptation with Lady Macbeth is to always go way overboard and to make her supernatural. Like I knew a girl who's like she showed me a video of like some kind of a performance that someone she knew had directed and it was like the the speech that Lady Macbeth gives when she decides that she's going she's going to do it and she she speaks to the spirits to unsex her and give me the strength to do all the things that men do and be as you know uh mischievous and deadly as them and like you can take that and go way over the top with it and i think in an attempt to not do that i don't recall her giving that speech like was it in the movie it was in it but she spoke it like as if she was speaking to to someone in the room with her yeah like in so, some versions where she like sits in front of like an altar and like looks up at the sky like yeah. screaming it you know she wasn't doing that so it's so like the the best production i ever saw of macbeth and i've only ever seen one or two was um at the brooklyn academy of music with patrick stewart in the title role and this is 10 years ago and so not a young Macbeth, <laughs> you know, he was in his, in his seventies when he played the part. So like, the, again, bringing the, you know, the age to it, but the woman playing his wife was like 30 years younger than him. Nice. If not, if not 40. And so like she had all that energy and somebody had told me that they, they had seen this, this production and I should really watch this speech because rather than just make it, sort of crazy and and there was some crazy shit in, in, in this production but they literally did nothing they pulled out all the lights they had a single spotlight on this actress who stood completely still and gave that speech and the entire audience was like leaning in on the edge of their seats because you didn't know what was going to like you kind of got the sense that at, at any minute she was going to feel the urge and the next guy to walk in the room was going to get his throat ripped open. Like it was just, it was, the attention was palpable. And 
Yeah, no, there was not, like there was you saw you, you could see Francis McDormand want to do more with it and then kind of pull back. Like when she's like chiding him for being upset about having murdered him and like all like all like there's those moments that are small and short and intense, but then it goes away again and then it's it's sort of quieter. And like they suck the energy out of the room. And that really shouldn't be how it goes. It, you know, it isn't until he's like unhinged at the end do you really get the sense of like, you know. And I get I mean, maybe they they were going for like a progression. Like if you begin with a lot of intensity, you can't end with it. Okay. I guess. But but it doesn't work. Like you you need a you, it it doesn't need to you know change in intensity, but change in in intention. You know, you can you can well, have the energy, but it's directed differently than it than it is at the. Yeah, well, she didn't have that at all. So, like when yeah. she had the scene where she kills herself, she's you know with the the candle and she's washing her hands. It, it didn't feel like any other scene. Like she was yeah. supposed to have gone mad with grief at that point, but there's she has three key scenes, right? There's the ones in the beginning when she says, "We need to kill this man so we can become the king and queen." Then she has another one in the middle where Macbeth decides that he's going to start killing people without her help. And she's like, I don't want to do that. We've done enough. And then there's the last one where she's so upset over everything that they've done that she eventually kills herself. And you don't feel that progression through the play yeah. because she's so even keeled the whole time. Yeah. Like when he, when he says to her, I, you know, I'm not even going to tell you what my plan is because it's so horrible. And this way you'll be innocent of everything. Like she normally reacts with horror, but she just stood there. It's yeah. like, this this doesn't upset you like it, it upsets me <laughs> you know because he's yeah. making the choice to now suddenly become a bad guy so and i think that's i think that the word the most important word there is 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 reacting there's the two of them have do the least reacting of of anybody in the in the play everybody else is surprised and terrified or excited and you know, they're all watching what what's happening and then changing their behavior a little bit. The two of them aren't doing that. You yeah. know, she's she's doing it again a little bit, a little you know, bit, and then he changes at the end a little bit and gets a little bit more crazy. But yeah. that's but just like, like he, they're in their own little worlds doing that too. Yeah, I mean, and his other big scene is when he sees the ghost of his friend that he that he had murdered and like. That that usually plays better when he's already starting to lose it, or he's at least angry about it. Yeah. Whereas in this one, like he shouts a few times, but I didn't like that scene. That was one of the few scenes I was like, "Oh, they didn't do a good job with this." <laughs> yeah, we're like we're like he's like waving around, like the bird shows up, and like the tree yeah, is like knocking the on the window. Yeah, like they only see a bird, but he sees a ghost. I was like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah, it's and and th- those are odd scenes to shoot to begin with because you know you gotta have a guy walk on stage and be creepy and like you know but um it's hard to make that look convincing on film without without making it a horror film which you, i think you could do i think you could totally film that like a horror film um but they sort of hamstrung themselves into how much special effects they would do in this because it's it's so it, it's shot so starkly and so simply that like mm-hmm. the best they could do was have him see a guy somewhat with like you know with the like being kind of fuzzing in and out of reality and then like the bird, but like you could, yeah, 
you could make ghost scenes in Shakespeare plays, you know, in film, really fucking terrifying if you wanted to. They just choose not to do that. Mm. You know, what did you think of the woman playing the witch? Uh, yeah, that's that's good. That's a choice. Yeah, she's yeah, really I mean, interesting. I've never heard of her before. I feel like I've seen her before in something. I mean, I'll 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 I'll, I'll look her up while you talk. But like, yeah, it's. Catherine Hunter, she's a British actress, and I'm mm. meant to figure out what she was in besides this, but she's a very unusual looking lady. Yeah. And uh, unusual voice and the whole thing. Um, the, the witches are always shown in so differently that, like, at this point, it, yeah, I just sort of shrug, like, okay, that's one way to do it. I mean, there's no wrong way to do the witches, you know. And what usually gets Harry Potter. Oh yeah, I figured everybody was in Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Every butler in the in the county was in Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only thing that they change a lot of the time is the visions that the witches show him. Mm. Those tend to get shortened or uh, truncated in some way. But this one was fine. Because they're supposed to be strange and and ugly and otherworldly. In the play, they have beards. You know, That's right. Yeah, they do have beards. You know, they yeah. they always leave that out. But like the characters comment on how they they look like women, but they have beards. Like they're supposed to not look right. Yeah. Because they're you know they're supposed to be evil. So. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the the physicality. I enjoyed how creepy she was. I enjoyed how you were never quite sure who was talking you know like it was it was sort of it it it's the part of the play that leaves you the the most room to really play with it both because the the, the script lets you do it and also because it's sort of like this the the the, art, the artistic convention to just kind of have at it and go bananas and what you know whatever you can come up with but this was like it was subtle and it was strange and it was off-putting to everybody and it it just it was it was fun to to to, to watch. Yeah. I I, um, I definitely got that feeling that I was like, let's do something weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was also subtle. It wasn't in like like I was the 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 play that I saw with Patrick Stewart was um it took it takes place in a in a World War One looking setting. Yeah, and they made so, a movie out of that version. Did they? Because mm-hmm. on YouTube, the, <laughs> what's that? On YouTube, is it really? Yeah, because like the they're like nurses who work there, right? They're nurses, yeah. And so the <laughs> visions that she that 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 they show them, basically they take like electrical um, uh, devices and they shock corpses, and the corpse wakes up, and the corpse tells Macbeth the vision, and it. It was it was really cool. It was absolutely terrifying. It was like I was genuinely afraid of what was happening. It was such mm-hmm. a crazy production. But like that, you know, again, like you you could just do whatever you want. It's so bananas, and this is what they chose to do here. And I, just, her voice is what what what, what I thought was was really. Good. She has a very interesting and weird deep voice for a lady. And so, I mean, if you had to pick someone to be the witch, you'd pick her because, you know, she's good. Yeah, that's that's what you're looking for. You you want them to stand out, you know, since you're not going to put beards on them. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
So yeah, I don't know. I think you know like would I recommend this to somebody? Yeah, probably just because like it's short. I think that a lot of the times people don't watch this stuff because you know it feels like a slog. I mean, hell, the you know, the Kenneth Branagh one is like four and a quarter or four and a half hours long and like no one's gonna sit through that and like it's just it's not worth it at that point. Even Hamlet doesn't need to be that long, for God's sakes. And, you know, so if you can get through the story and tell it in an hour and forty five minutes, yeah, great. Go right ahead. Like that's you know, they they didn't lose that much and the only truly confusing bit was that one guy who, Ross, who shows up and, you know, like, has a very confusing, you know, role to play because he's truncated and saying weird things. But that's the only part of the film that was like, okay, that was weird. That was just not well written. And, um, see, like, I mean, I teach this play, but you also have done a lot of Shakespeare in your life. And, like, I wonder if people who don't, know the language that well would would enjoy these things you know i mean people don't usually watch shakespeare stuff after they're forced to in high school yeah especially without the subtitles i mean there's a lot that you miss you know and the kids always look at me like did people really talk like this no of course they didn't really talk like this they said thee and thou yeah but (laughs) but they didn't talk in metaphors you know life is but you know uh, every, every, yeah i mean people didn't talk like that no one talks like that it's poetry for god's sakes yeah and and when every single line is like that it can be really tough yeah so i don't know but i i, I always have a hard time recommending any shakespeare to anybody because i'm like well you really got to get into it, it it's yeah. not easy if you if you're not inclined to watch it to begin with, then I can see people not being all that interested. And in, like I, you know, I I I I'd be loath to recommend it to someone who's just looking for a fun flick to watch on a Friday night. Like this is not that kind yeah. of movie. You have to have an interest in the in the thing already. It's not Training Day. <laughs> it's not Training Day. Do not yeah. think this is Training Day. And I mean, I, uh... good. Yeah, I mean, even I was thinking because when we watched King Lear with Anthony Hopkins, and I was like, I'm still having trouble following this play because that's a more complicated play. Oh. This one's fairly straightforward. Yeah, that you know, emotionally, that play is a goddamn like maze. You know, he can't make up his mind what's going. He's also a crazy character, like, and he's but crazy but not stupid, and like, you know, yeah, it's a mess. It's yeah, not it's, Romeo and Juliet. No, you know. Way more complex than that. This is less so, but even still, like, and I, I even watch it with the subtitles. And thankfully, Apple had a thing where you didn't have to do it with closed captioning. It's this feature that I've noticed that most, like, when you watch something on TV and you want to watch it with the subtitles, you have to watch it with the closed caption, which is different than watching it with subtitles. I would just rather watch it with English subtitles sometimes. And yeah, um, well, the closed caption is, I think it's more basic. It's more basic. It's also designed for people who who are deaf or hard of hearing, and so so it's just like, you know, ominous music plays. Like it doesn't have any of those things when it's just regular, you know, like a regular old subtitle, and that's what was available here, which was nice. Um, 
but yeah, no, I mean, you, you kind of have to be into it. And I, I do think that, you know, you're right. Like they're the, the two main characters, the, the, the Macbeths are, you know, they're not great that, but like, I, I guess I should watch the Michael Fassbender version just to see like if that, if he, if he does that any better, um, because they're they're hard characters to play, and we were talking before about how he's the main character, but you're you know you're you're rooting for somebody someone to to take him down. You had mentioned that there was something you wanted to add to that before. Um, no, not that I can think of. Yeah, just just because like it's you know they're 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 hard main characters to play because they're. They're the bad guys, but they're also the the protagonists. It's weird. Like, there's not a lot of plays like this. You know. Yeah, I mean, he he starts out as a good guy. You know? Yeah, and very quickly becomes not the good guy. Like, it's not, you you don't get through like the you know the second or third act before he's already it's, a bad guy. Well, yeah, it's the end of the second act is when he finally kills him because mm. he spends a lot of time. I mean, he does go back and forth, and he says to his wife, "Like, I don't want to do this. Like, I, I've changed my mind." And then she kind of gives him crap for it, and he, <laughs> and he, finds, okay, honey, you know, she's the one who gives him the push. But, um, and then it becomes, then you start to watch him. Like, what else is going to happen? That's when he starts deciding, "I should kill my friend," because the witches also said that he'd be the king, or his his sons would be king instead of my sons, and things like that. And you start to go, "Oh my god, this guy is." worse than I knew and capable of more than he thought he was, you know, like it's a character study. It's, but it's tough to watch. And I think also like it's, that's not really executed well here. And if you were, if you were, were to, were to ask the question, is this a, a successful, you know, telling of this story? The answer ultimately has to be no, because like if the whole point of it is to watch somebody who's, you know, relatively good, turned out to be an absolute monster, then you you don't really get the subtleties involved with all of that. You you don't, you, and it's not entirely um, Denzel Washington's fault. Like, that's, the, the two-hander aspect of this is important. And so if him going crazy goes you know, unexpressed by him and unobserved by his wife and, un, you know, and, 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 and not given the proper reaction to it. Yeah, no, you're, 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 you're not getting at the core of this story, which is to say, you know, this is what happens when you make these decisions. Things can go off the rails pretty quick and things get nuts and they don't really get as nuts as they could, I think. I think they had room to go there and they just didn't go there. And they focused a lot on the, on the visual style and not the performances, and they could have, you know, there could have been more to it than that. Mm-hmm. So, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. So. So I I wouldn't recommend it really unless you were really into Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean it's it's it you know it's fun as an acting lesson in terms of like, this is what not to do in some cases, and this is like you know how certain choices can affect the overall execution of the theme. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a hard sell. It's fun to watch. Like, uh, like I enjoy watching it. Be, you know, the other actors are actually very good. 
you know and so for the most part like the guy who who plays uh, uh, Banquo is great Duncan is great like they're all kind of hit kind of hitting their marks and doing their thing mm-hmm. but um yeah your 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 two mains are you know the the weakest part of it unfortunately so anyway but if you out there have any thoughts about the tragedy of Macbeth or Anything else Shakespeare related, you can let us know on Twitter or Instagram. We are at Three Drinks in Pod on both. Uh, make sure that you're subscribing wherever you're listening Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Leave ratings and reviews. And uh, if you want to email us, we're at Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Okay. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.